As you find your seats, you can turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians, the book of Galatians. We're going to be in three of Paul's epistles today. Go ahead, Billy. No one sees you. You got there. Front row. No, it's okay. Good morning. It's great to be with you all. It's great to worship Jesus with you all. Some of you came and said, hey, when we start in the service, uh, we tried something new. Lead balloon. That was, uh, I'm going to be preaching on gossip. We tried to do a little eye chat up there for the 12 of you that were watching and observing. Uh, We hope it was a blessing to you. For the rest of you all, we weren't that late. We really were trying something new. Amazingly, here we are, Orangewood. We are at the end of a 10-week journey together. The last 10 weeks, those of you who love Jesus and we're here each week. For those of you who love Jesus and have listened, either online or through a tape, what a journey it's been. What we've been doing is, we've been looking at 10 sins, what I've been calling Orangewood's 10 deadly sins. And some of you may say, uh, how'd you find out those 10? What'd you do? Well, I had asked the elders and the pastoral staff, more than anything, I asked God to reveal my heart. And as he did, these 10 became very clear. Today we're going to look at the sin of gossip, um, a sin that truly can tear churches apart and has, a sin that can cause us no longer to be able to worship together, but to be divided. i got to start by telling you some really good news. Just this week, just this week, I had three separate people. All of the three were going through some very difficult times, and three of the members of Orangewood separately told me this. I don't know what I would do without Orangewood. And as a pastor, to hear those who are going through struggles, those who are going through difficult times, to be able to say that you have loved them well in Christ's name. That you have been the body of Christ. And I want to start off this sermon saying again that we're going to look at sin, and we're going to look at a sin of the tongue And we're going to make sure that we're trying to honor God in all that we do and say to Him and to one another and to our community. But I want to start by saying thank you. Because I really do see the Spirit of the living God living in you as you are trying to love Him and love one another in His name. I am so proud of this church. I'm so proud of our new buildings. Have you seen the new stuff? Is it not exciting? I mean, wow, just to see the landscaping and to see what God is doing here. But really... They're buildings. I am excited. But I'm excited about what God's placed in the buildings. You. I'm excited with the authentic wrestle that you're having with your maker, your savior. I love seeing Jesus in your life. And so let's continue to journey together. Let's let's together really trust that Christ has done it for us. Let's trust together that we really are forgiven. Let's be reminded every week that we're his children. And that way, no matter what God has for us, no matter what sin we're wrestling with, no matter how much the Holy Spirit might convict us and say we got to become more like Jesus, we can do it with full assurance knowing we're loved. Isn't that good news? And full assurance knowing that we're forgiven. Isn't that really good news? And so when we dive in together, we have the ability to go free-falling into the blackness of our own souls and hearts because Jesus is catching us and has caught us and is setting us free. I think of you and I think of what Paul said to the church of Thessalonica. 
a church that was really striving to love one another and to love God. And he says this to them in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. It says this, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And that's what these ten weeks have been all about. How can we live our lives saying thank you to the God who's loved us so perfectly? God has given us His Word to instruct us how to live. As in fact, Paul writes, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus, do this more and more. Orangewood, God's working with us. I love the longing we have for Him. I love listening to us sing His praise together. And as your pastor, let me encourage you more and more. More and more for the glory of our King. He deserves it. More and more so this church can be a city on a hill. Our community needs it. More and more loving one another because those sitting next to you are really still hurting. More and more because we're not home yet and we need one another, okay? So let's, let's, let's dig in today in God's Word. Let's uh, ask God to say, examine our tongues. Let's see how we're using them. Are we building one another up? Are we tearing one another apart? And again, this morning is so much about Jesus. It's so much about the fact of what the good news of the Gospel does for you and me that allows us to love one another, that allows us and compels us to serve one another. That not, Listen, because of what Jesus has done for us and because of who you and I now are in the Father's eyes, we now have the ability to build one another up because we've been given so much. We can do it by giving things away, knowing that it won't cost us anything. It's given, God's given us everything. All right, let's jump in. If you'll turn with me to Galatians 5. We're going to read Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. Then we're going to turn to Ephesians 4, um, and verses 29 through 32. And lastly, we're going to look at Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. Three separate letters that the Apostle Paul penned to different churches. These Letters were distributed among the early church. God has preserved these letters for us. These letters are a part of Holy Scripture. They're without error. They'll never lead us astray. And by God's grace, we have the privilege of being under their authority. This is God's love letter to us. Not just to the church at at Galatia, but for the church here at Orangewood as well. Let's be mindful this is God's very word. Galatians 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's an incredible paradox because what Paul is telling us is this. In Christ Jesus, the law has been fulfilled. In Christ Jesus, we have been set free. As we looked at each week, we really focus in on this last week, that Jesus wants to live all of our lives in freedom. He then turns around and says, but by the way, enslave yourself to one another. Interesting paradox. Be free, but be a slave to love and serve one another because you are free. Look at verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Have you felt the pain of words? 
Have you felt someone destroy maybe a part of your reputation? That pain? We've seen words destroy churches like this. Paul says to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, watch out. Watch out for the power of that tongue. You can tear each other apart. Let's look at Ephesians 4. He tells us in 4.29, Do not let any wholesome or any putrid talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful, listen to this, for building others up according to their needs, really giving them grace, that it may benefit, may give grace to those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Scripture tells us that we are to get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It tells us this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And then lastly, turning to Colossians 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, and Orangewood, that's that one body of Christ that we are a part of, that one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with great gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, that truly is our heart's cry as your children. Whatever we do in word and deed, Father, we need to, we are commanded to, and through the Spirit we are compelled to do in the name of God our Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we're here again at the end of this journey of ten deadly sins. Each one of these sins has pierced your son's body. Each one of these sins he has become on that tree of Calvary for us. And because of your son and because of his work on our behalf, because of the atonement on the cross, we now have the ability as your children adopted to look deeply into our hearts knowing that we are forgiven. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are comforted. And yet, God, You have called us to a holy life because You are holy. And You say if we love You, we will obey You. And Father, we love You because You have first loved us. So love us again. Love us again afresh this morning by speaking through a broken vessel who is guilty of the sin of gossip who has used his tongue to tear down, who has not honored you with words, but often has sought his own glory. Father, forgive me. But God, use me. Use me. Speak through me so that you can receive glory and we can receive challenge. God, would you open up our ears not to hear my words. i got nothing worth saying on my own. Open up our ears so we hear from Jesus 
Father, through the Spirit, illumine our minds so that we can understand what You have for us. God, again today, break our hearts. Make them more pliable so we can walk and learn and love in a manner worthy of the Gospel. And Yes, Jesus, empower our feet. If we walk out of here the same gossips, the same slanderers, the same tongue that we had walking in here, then we missed it. God, for Your glory, for the health of the church, change us even this morning. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. Many perks being a pastor. One of the things it's said about pastors is that we live in a fishbowl. That our wife is kind of right here on the front. Live before you. And I got a lot of people who aren't in the ministry, a lot of friends who say, what is it like being living your life in the fishbowl? And I got to tell you, I don't feel that way. I really don't. I don't feel that I live my life or my family lives their life in a fishbowl because you've loved us so well. And I'm trying to be honest with you. I'm a fellow journeyer like you. I'm a broken sinner. I'm saved by grace just like you are, those of you who are children of the living God. And so by God's grace, the Jakes family really doesn't feel like we're in a fishbowl. But this church in many ways should feel that way. Because together we really are a bit in a fishbowl. We are called to swim together. Uh, We are called to swim up current. And we are called here in central Florida to gather in His name. And these walls should be transparent to all around us. They should be able to look in our lives, see our love for Jesus, the way we love one another, the way we worship Him, the way we work for His glory. Really, this church, all churches, are fishbowls. And when they get dirty, the world loves it. They say, yeah, there goes that church again. Look at how hypocritical they are. You know, as we live in this community as a fishbowl, I had lunch this week with a gentleman who... uh, uh, he and his wife uh, feel compelled to join our church. They have a son and daughter-in-law who have recently joined, and he's been hanging around here for quite some time now. He said, I can't wait to join. He says, you know what amazes me about Orangewood? I've been hanging around here, and I haven't heard the dirt yet. So I want to thank you for not telling him. I mean, it's been several weeks, and I don't know how he's missed it. He's a bright guy. But the truth is, he says, I don't, I don't feel an undercurrent here. I don't feel like there's something behind the scenes. And I want to tell you again, as your pastor, I don't either. We are in a fishbowl, but by God's grace, I really do think that we are trying to live together, pleasing Him. Have you ever owned fish? How many of y'all have owned fish? Anybody here own fish? Okay. If you own dogs as well, if you just own fish, we're scared for you right now, okay? If you own fish and dogs, it's okay. Just fish. We may want to talk afterwards. Um, but we found fish in our family. Before growing up, we had fish. We had a, a freshwater tank. It's a, a kind of a cool thing to have, especially if you have young children. Uh, some great responsibilities about feeding them and some of the dangers when you don't. Um, things like uh, changing the filter and some of the dangers when you don't. But I don't know about you, but growing up, we had fish, and, and really kind of my favorites were the neons, those little neons. Uh, neons get their name from their coloring, uh, they can kind of glow like a neon light bulb. But what I love about neons is, is not only they have that cool sheen, that cool color, but neons swim together. I mean, neons, when you put neons together, in a, and they all just kind of like go down the same uh, tank, 
and I don't know who says it, I don't know who the lead neon is, but all of a sudden there's an order about face, and boom, all the fish turn around, and they start going back. And you know, you don't see neon, some going this way, some going that way, some hanging out over here. Neon swim together. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's a synchronized swimming taking place right there in your tank. By the way, is synchronized swimming still an Olympic sport? Anybody know? How how do you know you're good at that? (laughs) You're like floating in the pool one day, and your arm's out, and you're waving. Jump in, jump in. I think we can do this together. Hey, let's try for the Olympics. What's up with that sport? If you like that, I'm I'm going on a limb in the winter. You like the curling. You know, those are those two things like (laughs) curling. Synchronized swimming. I, uh, sorry. How am I going to get out of this one right now? Um, there's going to be somebody who loves it. They're going to like have competed for it. And they're going to yell at me on the way out the door. I'm sorry. I know it's an Olympic sport. I know it's a lot of, really hard to tread all that water and have all those limbs out. It's amazing. <laughs> Blessings to you. But those neons, those neons can synchronize swim like anybody. They're awesome. Kind of like what the church should do. We should be those neons, just kind of swimming together and, and turning together, motoring together, creating a wake for one another so we can really get farther and, and easier with one another. Then another fish that I like was those, those tiger barbs. You know those tiger barbs? Really good-looking fish. And they're named tiger because they got stripes. They look like a tiger maybe. And you put tiger barbs in the same tank with neons and you got some trouble. Trust me, I know. Just one tiger barb. You know what they do? They start biting other fish. They start biting them. They want to devour them. And you, you, you put a, a tiger barb in with your neons and the next morning you wake up and you got a couple of neons floating belly up, uh, a couple of fins missing. You got the little net out, scooping them out, trying to make sure the kids don't see you put two or three tiger barbs together, they work together to destroy. They're, they're, they're not friendly fish at all. Apparently they don't like synchronized swimming. <laughs> <laughs> they disrupt the whole tank equilibrium. The symbiotic condition of a fish tank is destroyed by even one tiger barb. The symbiotic condition of a church can be destroyed by even one tiger barb. Even one who wants to go out and bite and devour others through their words. Orangewood, we're called to swim together. It's going to be upstream, countercultural, for God's glory. That's our call. Swim together. Orangewood, we're called to love one another. I mean, love one another. Not just like, but love one another. Orangewood, people next to you, in front of you, behind you, you're called to serve them. To serve one another in Christ's name. Orangewood, in the name of Christ, you're called to forgive one another. And when we do, there's great harmony. And this fishbowl called Orangewood can contain all us fish. Swimming for God's glory, just listening to his voice, feeling his pleasure. 
But when we don't, we're going to bite one another. We're going to devour one another. We could cause great damage to the bride of Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at just a couple of things. What can God, what has God done? What can we do as we surrender our life to Christ that will really cause us to love one another, serve one another, keep us being neons in sync instead of tiger barbs devouring one another? The first point is this. In Galatians 5.14, it says very clearly that we are called to love one another. In 14, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we can only love others when we love ourselves. Now, this may sound simple, but it's really not. It's very, very profound. I'm telling you, it's very important. We can only love others when we love ourselves. And we can only love ourselves rightly through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can only love one another well. We can only love others when we love ourselves. And we can only love ourselves rightly through Jesus Christ, through the gospel. You see, an egocentric narcissist loves himself. Loves himself. Life is all about himself. And so should a born-again Christian should love themselves. But there should be a great, great difference between an egocentric narcissist and a born-again Christian. See, narcissists love themselves at the expense of others. Narcissists love themselves stepping on others. It's all about themselves. Where a Christian loves himself to bless others. He loves himself to serve God, the one he made. And love them in His name. Let me ask you this. Are you a narcissistic fish? Where it's about you? And when you say, oh yeah, I want to love myself because it's all about me. Or are you a Christian fish? Where you're loving God and loving others in His name. Let me ask you this question. Do you love who you are? I don't know what your mirror says to you. I know what my mirror says to me. And I don't like what it says oftentimes. I mean, I I tell you, my faults glare before me. They glare. And I'm a whole lot more of a narcissistic fish than I ever wanted to imagine. That's the truth. And maybe that's why I love the gospel so much. Because a narcissistic fish like me can be set free. You see, when I realize that God loves me because He's made me just like I am and He's made you just like you are. And He doesn't make mistakes. You may not have the gifts and mixes, gift mix of those sitting beside you. You may not have the looks. You may not have the mental capacity. But God made you to be you and no one else. And don't you dare believe the lie that you're not good enough because you can't sing up front or you can't hit a ball or or you can't do this or that. God made you, Scripture says, in His image, reflecting His glory for His own good. God made you, whoever you are, man, woman, child, young person, uniquely, you're His in His image. And Jesus Christ has come to love you and to pay the debt that you deserve to a holy God for your sins. The Holy Spirit has come inside you. You and I are God's children. We are beloved. God loved us before time began. 
He loved us perfectly and uniquely in His kingdom. There's no one else like you or like me. And God wants us to be able to look at ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not. And He says, you're right, you're not. You don't have this, you don't have that, but I didn't give them to you. You say, but God, I'm still struggling with this sin and that sin. He goes, I know, but I've forgiven you. And I love you. I really love you with an eternal love. I'll never stop loving you. And because I love you, this love is setting you free to love yourself in me. When God the Father sees us, you know who he sees? His beloved son, Jesus. And he's thrilled. He's beloved with him. He says, I want you to see yourself that way too. I want you to love yourself in Christ Jesus as a child of the King set free, forgiven, as an heir to God. Do you love yourself? Some of you may not be drinking deep enough of the gospel. Some of you are Christians for a long time and you're still just beating the stew out of yourself. Some of you are still angry and so much brokenness that you're forgetting. You're forgetting the beauty of Christ's righteousness. You're forgetting the power of the blood that makes us whiter than snow. See, the only way we're going to be able to love others is if we love ourselves. And the only way we love ourselves rightly, not as a narcissistic fish, but as a gospel-centered fish, is when we get it. We're uniquely made. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are His. We've been uniquely placed here. It's okay what we don't have, because we have Him. And we have Him. You ready for this? We got everything. Do you love Christ in you? The gospel allows us to build others up versus devouring each other. Again, um, Ephesians 4.29 says this, Don't let any unwholesome, putrid talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up. God is calling us to use our mouths to build one another up, not tear one another down according to their needs. I love this because it says according to their needs makes us realize that we got to have ears as well as mouths. we got to hear their needs. we got to love them and listen to their needs and know what they are. That it may benefit those who listen. I love what it really says in the Greek. That it may give grace. God is calling us to give grace to those that are next to us. To love them and speak to them in such a way that reminds them of how loved they are in the Father through the Son. That is building up their life, not tearing it down. By getting and administering grace to them because grace has been given to us. We're called to be helpful. Are you helpful in building up this church? More than the building campaign. I mean, with your tongue. With your life. Really building into others. Again, I love that according to their needs really calls us to listen. It calls us to be in community with one another, to care for one another. If you just show up on Sunday and this is it, we won't know each other's needs. Are we ministering grace to the hearers? Why? Because listen, listen. We've received grace. If you're a child of God, you've received grace. God's favor. What, what do we deserve? We deserve anger. We deserve uh, uh, banishment from God. We deserve hell. We deserve wrath. What have we been given? We've been given God's amazing, life-changing, soul-altering grace. The God who is holy and without sin. The God who's separate from us has still loved us and given us so freely grace. 
grace. Do you know that amazing grace that you can say, a sinner, a blind sinner like me, once was blind, but now I can see. Was once lost, but now I'm found. The gospel gives you the ability to build up others instead of tearing them down because it shows us how complete we are in him. It shows us the grace that we've received in him. And listen, here's what the good news of the gospel does for us. Now we can give freely without fearing that we're going to lose something that we might need. That's why we don't give. You know why we don't give? Because we fear if we give you, if if I build you up, you might be higher than me. If I build you up, I might give you something I need. And if my identity's in me, and my identity's in me, I'm I'm afraid of you. I'm going to tear you down. If my identity's in me, I want to be better than you. I want to be known more than you. I want to be above you. That's what the flesh says. But the gospel says this. I'm loved by the king. He set me free. I have everything I need in Christ Jesus. And now I'm going to be an instrument building others up. I've received grace. Now I'm a grace dispenser. Now we're we're dispensing of God's grace to others because we are who we are in Christ. What kind of fish are you? Are you a a neon swimming in sync for God's glory, encouraging those swimming around you, building them up? Or are you a tiger barb? Tearing down. The gospel allows us to serve others instead of slandering others. Galatians 5.13 Again, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Ephesians 4.31 Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of the rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get rid of all that. It's not fitting anymore. We're called to love. The only way The only way I can serve you, the only way I can serve you, and the only way we can serve one another, if we realize that we are completely loved and completely complete in Christ. If we realize, listen, when you read the story of Jesus' washing his disciples' feet, you don't get the story. You do not get the story until you feel him wash your feet. Until you realize he came to serve you. Came to rescue you. You don't get the cross until you realize that it's incredibly personal with your own life. Your sins hang in there. You don't get the empty tomb until you realize that life now reigns for you and me as God's children. And we don't get the gospel until we realize that Jesus came to serve. Us to seek and save us. And now we are His children to do His work. And we are complete in Him. And He gets great pleasure in us serving one another. It smells like the aroma of Christ when we do. Because that's what He does. He washes dirty feet. He hangs out with the broken. He hangs out with the marginalized. He speaks life into all of their lives. He gives them Himself is the bread of life. And now we are called to do the same in His name. Are you serving Christ? Only way you can is when you let the peace of Christ rule in your own hearts. Let's look at Colossians 3 again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The only way the peace of Christ rules in your heart is if He's ruling as Lord and King in your soul. 
Since as members of one body, that's what we are, you and I are called to peace, and we ought to be thankful. Here's what we got to do, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. God's word should be dwelling in us richly. We should teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. We should sing to one another. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The only way we ought to serve one another is if that peace of Christ is ruling. That mind of Christ. And lastly, we can only forgive one another when we have been forgiven in Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Listen, listen. Just as Christ God forgave you. When Jesus tells you your sins are forgiven, don't you ever dare think that that's flippant. (laughs) When God talks about forgiveness, it never comes easily. It's not cheap grace. Scripture says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. God's a holy God. I mean, justice has to be served. He can't wink at it. He can't wink at sin and not cease being holy. He can't. So you got to pay a price. Blood must be shed. And that's why we have that tragedy of the cross. Christ's blood was shed so that you and I truly can be forgiven. Listen, for those of you who have embraced Christ as Savior, I want to tell you something. According to Scripture, you're not guilty. Legally in God's court, the debt your sin deserves, it's been paid, listen, in full. You can stand in a holy God's presence in Christ Jesus as if you had never sinned. Better than that. Children of the living God, you will stand in Christ's presence one day, clothed in His righteousness. And God is going to look at you, the Father, more than if you had done everything perfectly right and had the righteousness of man. You ready for this? You and I, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we wear the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the picture of who we are. And that's the price that it cost Christ on that tree so that we can be forgiven. And now we must forgive others. Listen, you can't love others that you can't forgive. And some of you aren't doing a good job forgiving. Some of you have been hurt deeply by some people even in this church. Some words that they've said maliciously have pierced you. Some things that they have done, business deals or in your neighborhood. Some of you sit over here and know people over here that you just don't like. And you just can't get over it. But I want to tell you, the person who sits over here has been covered in Christ's blood. The person that sits up there has been covered in Christ's blood. And there's peace with the Father, with both of you in heaven. And there should be peace here on earth. And because you and I have been, just as we have been forgiven in Christ, just as we have been forgiven, listen, we didn't deserve it. They may not deserve it. They may not deserve it, but we didn't. Just as we have been forgiven in Christ, that amazing grace, we have to forgive one another. Because we cannot love one another if we don't forgive one another. And lastly, you can't love yourself if you can't forgive yourself. Some of you have a really dark secret. Some of you have a really black past. And some things that you're ashamed of. And there is an enemy that wants to accuse you and wants to whisper in your ear of all that you're not and wants you to tell you that you're not worthy. And by the way, you're not either am I. And wants to accuse you 
and wants to separate you from a God that's not going to stop loving you and say that you really shouldn't forgive yourself. Listen, here's the standard. If God the Father can forgive you in Christ the Son, who are you not to forgive yourself? If God's Son, Jesus, became your sin and He's dealt with, who are you not to deal with it and let it go? Some of you aren't forgiving your spouses. Some of you haven't forgiven your children. Some of you haven't forgiven your parents. Let it go. The only way that we're going to... uh... (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Don't put yourself higher than God's standard. If He can forgive you, you must forgive yourself. Seek a holy life in obedience. As Christ reigns in this fishbowl called Orangewood, are we going to be a church that will be devouring each other or building each other up? Depends on what kind of fish you are. The Gospel lets us be honest. By nature, tiger barbs. By nature, narcissistic fish. But by God's grace, lovely neons swimming together. 1 John 1.9 says we've got to confess our sins to a merciful God. We're going to take the rest of the service and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to God. We're going to say we just looked at ten sins. And God, we're going to cry for mercy because we know here's some really good news. When we do, He hears and He forgives. What kind of fish are you? Let us pray. Father, the only way, the only way that we can get this is if we get by Your grace Jesus as Savior. It's the only way we get it. Because we really are, by nature, narcissistic, tiger-barbed fishes. Dangerous. Devouring. But God, You've called us to be fishers of men. You have called us Your children. And You have empowered us to fish for others. You've called Orangewood to be a fishbowl, transparent with the Gospel, loving and serving one another well here as we love and serve our neighbor. Jesus Himself is the bread of life that feeds us. The Holy Spirit is here to comfort us. But God, drive out the tiger barbs in each of us. May we truly swim and sink with Jesus. We cry out to You in mercy because we really have used our tongues in a way that have torn down others. Be merciful to us. Make us more like our big brother, our Savior, Your Son, Jesus. For the glory of God and for the health of this fishbowl called Orangewood. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.